0: About a year after my wife, Misty, and I were married, uh, a family had bought the house we used to rent. This family was new to the area, and since the house was located right next door to the church we attended, I got to see them quite often. I got to talk with them quite often. One day, I looked after leaving church, and that family had a trunk full of tools and building supplies. As the weeks and weeks went on, I would see the husband going through the house, fixing different things, renovating the the one room at a time. And so, after a few months, I stopped in front of their front yard, and I wanted to see what had changed since they started. Well, they caught me looking at their house. (laughs) And they excitedly called me over. And so we, we began this conversation. They were more than happy to show me some of their plans, what they would do, what they would fix, what they would add on to the house. And as I looked at their plans, because they actually had it all printed out, I had to wonder, like, how is he doing this? And so I asked him, I was like, did you, before you moved to this area, were you the type who renovated houses for a living? Is that what you were doing before? And so this makes sense. Well, he laughed and he said, no, no, I was just a professor at a university. But we, since we were married, really wanted to fix up a house for our family. And so, this is what we're doing. And besides, there are plenty of do-it-yourself videos and blogs online, so I should be fine. Well, I couldn't help but to smile. I definitely thought he was underestimating the difficulty of their project, but just looking at this, their heart, their eagerness to take on this task, it just made me just smile and commend them for it. We see an example of that in this text today. We see will and eagerness as the Spirit led Paul and Silas and Timothy to a Macedonian town called Berea. If you are joining us, For the first time, we are more than halfway through this sermon series in Acts. Acts is a historical record compiled by Luke, a disciple of Jesus Christ, who you may recognize as one of the gospel writers, as he looks at the early church and how the Spirit moved through their growth. Today, we will turn to Acts chapter 17, verses 10 through 15, and look at what happened when the Spirit led this traveling group, this missionary party, to this Macedonian town. It's about 50 miles from the town of Thessalonica, which Dave, one of our other elders, preached on last week. If you have a Bible nearby, which for those who are sitting by, you can just look around and there should be a Bible, uh, you, I invite you to turn to Acts chapter 17, verses 10 through 15. If you don't have a Bible nearby or you're viewing online, you could just look at the words that will be projected on the screen behind me. And of course, if you just prefer to close your eyes and listen, I will sing or I will say these verses aloud. I'm not going to sing them. (laughs) I will read them aloud. I'm not going to do that to you. (laughs) All right, Acts chapter 17, verses 10 through 15 reads The brothers immediately sent Paul and Silas away by night to Berea. And when they arrived, they went into the Jewish synagogue. Now these Jews were more noble than those in Thessalonica, for they received the word with all eagerness, examining the scriptures daily to see if these things were so. Many of them therefore believed with not a few Greek women of high standing as well as men. They departed. These are six verses, and yet there is much for us to look at. To help us understand this passage, I'm going to look at three provisions that God shows us through this account. Three things that we find in this text that God provides. First, God provided a new opportunity to exalt or promote his word. Second, God provided eager hearts to examine or investigate his word. And third, God provided able servants to encourage or nurture the receivers of his word. Again, God provided new opportunity to exalt his word, eager hearts to examine his word, and able servants to encourage the receivers of his word. First, the new opportunity. Now, to understand the new opportunity and what happened next, we need to actually look back at the previous passages. So just quickly, earlier in Acts, while in Antioch, God placed on Paul's heart, the desire to revisit some of the towns that he and Barnabas had first proclaimed Christ to during their missionary journey. Now, while Barnabas heads south to Cyprus, the Lord gives Paul a vision to come to Macedonia, a new area to proclaim his word. And so Paul heads west to new towns, to new people. He took with him a disciple named Silas, and later on, he meets and is joined by a young believer named Timothy. Last week, Dave preached on their travels to Thessalonica and what happened there. When they reached Thessalonica, they stopped at a Jewish synagogue, and they started to preach Christ in that synagogue. And while some believed, a mob threatened them to do harm and to attack that budding church. In fact, we closed last week with a almost citizen's arrest of Jason and some other of the new believers. The last verse we looked at, it was only because the city officials were paid off that Jason and those believers were even released from prison. And so we come to this week's passage. It was a hectic scene and a harsh rejection of what the disciples believed. Now, what would you expect to happen next after all that happened in Thessalonica? What would you expect Paul and Timothy and Silas to do? Perhaps you would, you would think that they would start to lay low for a couple of weeks. Maybe they would go back to Antioch, where, where you know they're, they have friends, they have people who, who' be able to give them safe passage and, and be able to stay there for a while while they regroup. Maybe. They would just not visit a synagogue for just a couple of towns until their opponents cooled down. But what we find in verse 10 is that they did the opposite. They continued west to a new Macedonian town called Berea. Now, as you look at verse 10, we could question, what is man-led? and what is spirit-led. On a surface reading of the text, it's the new believers in Thessalonica who quickly send the missionaries away for their safety. But as we read on, it's clear that it was God providing an opportunity for his word to be proclaimed to another audience. In fact, we read that as they arrive in Berea, one of the first places they go to is, surprise, surprise, a Jewish synagogue. Now, you may wonder as you take a look at that, are Paul, Timothy, and Silas gluttons for punishment? Did they not learn anything from what happened in Thessalonica? I mean, Berea is only about 50 miles away. How different could these people be from those in Thessalonica? How different could the situation be for them there? And yet the disciples trusted that the words of Christ and the mission that he gave them was true. In the gospel accounts, when Jesus first sends the 12 apostles out to proclaim the kingdom of God, What did he tell them to do? Luke 9 shares these words from Jesus. And whatever house you enter, stay there. And from there, depart. And wherever they do not receive you, when you leave that town, shake the dust from your feet as a testimony against them. And after, the 12 apostles departed and went through the villages, preaching the gospel and healing Everywhere. You see, in verse 10, Paul is following a similar custom. He enters a town and goes to where there should be willing hearers, a house of God. And if the gospel is received, he stays longer to nurture that community. But if it is rejected, he leaves for another location, shaking the dust off his feet as a testimony against them. And then he repeats the cycle. This pattern doesn't seem complicated, but in fact, it is fully dependent on God's leading. It's fully dependent on the Spirit telling them where to go and who to talk to. For just like today, we can't be sure that our next location we'll have those who are willing to hear about Jesus the Christ. And yet, like the Apostle Paul, we can go. We can go and proclaim these truths. We can go and proclaim this doctrine of Christ to others when an opening is provided. And so the three missionaries enter Berea and they found something different when they went into that synagogue. They found an abundance of willing hearts, which brings us to the next thing that God provided, eager hearts to examine his word. As we look at verse 11, the writer Luke, he he does a character comparison between those Jews in Berea and those in Thessalonica. Now, likely, after hearing the experience of both places from Paul, we see that Luke describes the Bereans as being more noble. Now, if you're like me, it's likely that you don't use the word noble very often in your day-to-day conversations. In fact, for me, it brings up images of, well, royalty, you know, very regal kings and queens, brave knights who fight, I don't know, dragons or whatever. <laughs> but that's what comes to my mind. And so you have to ask, is that what Luke is talking about here? Is that how the Berean Jews were? Well, the disciple could have stated that the Jews were of high standing because he said that about the Greek women in just in verse 12. But he instead continues his comparison and defined what he meant by noble they received the word with all eagerness examining the scriptures daily to see if these things were so it's not clear how long that paul timothy and silas reasoned with the bereans but we see the difference we see that they were willing to hear about Christ. They were willing to see for themselves if these things that they heard were true. This group didn't just accept the missionary's message at face value, but neither did they reject it just because it was something that they've never heard before or something that they didn't say themselves. They didn't do that. The Bereans, they were eager or fervently interested in hearing more of what Paul and company had to say. And then they took that message and they tested it against Old Testament scriptures to see if it matched up. A uh, stereotype of Christians that I have heard from friends, from co-workers, from, from neighbors before, is that we are closed off from hearing different views. We are closed off from engaging in conversation or debate about who God is, what are the effects of sin, and how does God provide a Savior for us. But we don't see that in the early church. And I argue that Christians are not called to be like that either. You see, God provided the scripture so we could dive in, so we could see the details of his creation and know how we fit in. He provided his word so that we could know his plan of redemption and how it was interwoven within our history. As we read the Bible, we also see that the Lord strongly encouraged believers to proclaim his truth, to engage in discussion and reasoning with others who may be new to Christianity, who may be new to his word. If you are new to hearing about Jesus Christ, I encourage you, reach out to a Christian that you know. Or introduce yourself to one today. We have plenty here. (laughs) And if you are a follower of Christ, consider who you could engage in discussion with. Consider who you would be willing to test the scriptures with. Someone who may be coming with different views, different thoughts, a different background, consider who could that be in your life. God has provided his word for any honest examination. It will hold up to it. And that was true throughout the centuries, and it's true today. So believe that. The Berean members of that synagogue were open to hearing about the doctrine of Christ. The words, examine the scriptures daily, it gives us a picture of them turning the pages, of them asking the disciples, hey, tell me more about this life of this Jesus. Tell me more about his death, his resurrection, explain that to me one more time. You could likely almost see the scales slowly falling from their eyes as their their minds started to make those connections between old testament promises and what they were hearing from the disciples on that day that's what their hearts were likely yearning for to know and be at peace with god and on that day they heard and they believed that God had provided that, had made that possible through the saving work of Jesus Christ. And we've seen other responses like this in in Luke's writings. In in Acts 8, we saw the Spirit lead Philip over to the eunuch of Ethiopia, and the same thing happened. In Luke 24... When the risen Christ, when he spoke to two disciples on the Emmaus road, we see this as well. What what was the, the, the words, what were the words of those two disciples? They said, did not our hearts burn within us while he talked to us on the road, while he opened to us the scriptures? Faith is not a passing feeling. Trusting in Christ does not mean that we we just throw out our brains. It's quite the opposite. For Christ came to fulfill what was written in the scriptures. He came to provide a light so that the scriptures could be rightly understood. And in Christ, we find this answer. How does a holy God defeat sin? In Christ, we see God's plan to bring salvation to the whole world. And in Christ, we see both Jew and Greek coming together as a people of faith. In verse 12, we read that many of the Jews believed. And not just the Jews, but many Greek women and men of high standing These people were, these Greeks were attending the synagogue. They were interested in hearing the Jewish scriptures. A short time ago, Paul and company were in Thessalonica. Again, we heard about that last week. And Thessalonica was a a more well-known town at that time. And yet only a fraction of the people there responded in the same way as all these Bereans in this synagogue responded. How these people in a lesser known town responded. In fact, the reaction was so great that it wasn't long before word got around, before the news of what happened reached Thessalonica. And with that news, a different response which brings us to our last point for today as God provided able servants to encourage the receivers of his word even during opposition now it's not clear in from the text how long it took for someone in Thessalonica to hear that Paul and his company were preaching Christ in Berea Perhaps it was an acquaintance or a family member in Berea who who wanted their loved one to go and hear about this Christ, about this message that they had heard. Maybe the Jews in Thessalonica, they were just passing the word around. If you hear about this Paul, if you hear about someone talking about this Jesus Christ, hey, you let us know. We're not sure how that was, how that came about, but either way, the response is basically a repeat of last week. They were filled with envy and jealousy, which brought about continued sinful actions. We see throughout many points in the Bible that Satan and sin have a way of motivating mankind to extreme lengths just to reject his word. The disciples' opponents, they traveled the 50 miles with the intention to harm Paul, with the intention to stop what he was proclaiming. And to do that, they weren't very creative about it. They just used the exact same rhetoric we saw in last week's passage. They accused the disciples of acting against the law. They, they were saying that they were attempting to bring about trouble, that they were troublemakers, and this would cause a reaction from the current leadership that would not be good. They said this party was telling lies that you should get rid of them. And the scene in Berea, it almost ends exactly as what we read in Thessalonica. In fact, if Luke didn't include verses 10 through 13, I'm pretty sure none of us would even have blinked an eye. We wouldn't have noticed that there was any gap in this account. But let's look again at verses 13 and 14. Though the new believers in Berea sent Paul away, with some of them traveling with him, Silas and Timothy remained in that town. Now, one could easily overlook this provision from God, but as we take a look, for whatever reason, the opposition from Thessalonica, they were so focused on harming Paul that they were either unaware of Silas and Timothy or they just didn't care. And so the disciples, they stayed there. The result, they had greater opportunity. They had greater time to nurture the believers there. They had more time to encourage them in Christ. While Paul traveled south to Athens, they stayed longer. They took advantage of the opportunity, the opening that God gave them. And they stayed. They stayed until Paul had sent word back with the Berean believers that went with him for Silas and Timothy to join him in Athens. Now, we don't know how long that took for for the word to, to join him in Athens took, but in some ways we can know the desire of Paul's heart when it came to the Macedonian churches. We can read about this desire in his first letter to the Thessalonians. In it, it reports that Paul was concerned that the Macedonian churches would be tempted away from following Christ. He was concerned that there would be affliction that came to them. And so he sent Timothy back to go and visit those churches in Thessalonica, in Philippi, in Berea. And he also sent Timothy over there to establish and exhort the believers, to remind them that these afflictions, no matter how severe they seem, they should not deter their faith. For it was during oppositions That the Spirit led Paul, Silas, and Timothy to them to proclaim the gospel. It was during opposition that Christ was heard by this group and they believed. And as Timothy later returned to Paul, delivering the report of their sustained faith, Paul responded with joy and thanksgiving. 1 Thessalonians chapter 3, verses 6 through 7, Paul wrote, But now that Timothy has come to us from you and has brought to us the good news of your faith and love and reported that you always remember us kindly and long to see us as we long to see you. For this reason, brothers, in all our distress and affliction, we have been comforted about you. Through your faith. This same sentiment is shared by us here at Beacon as we commissioned a small group to go over to Turkey to encourage and to serve with our sister in Christ and missionary partner, Susan. What do we hope will come from their travels? What do we hope to hear when they return? We hope to hear that God provided a new opportunity for them to proclaim Christ. That God provided eager hearts that were willing to examine his word. And that God provided an opportunity for them to encourage the able servants that are in Turkey who are regularly sharing the gospel with those people groups in that area. And as the team returns this coming week, we desire to hear, what is the Lord doing among the people in that area? We desire to hear of the steadfastness in faith of our brothers and sisters in Christ in Turkey. We desire to hear, how is Susan doing as well? And so, As we wait for their return, let's continue to pray for that group. Let's continue to pray for our brothers and sisters in Christ in Turkey. And let us look forward to hearing what God is doing, not just there, but around the world. So what do we do with this passage? How do we respond? How do we apply it? Well, if you are new to Christianity, if you have not placed your faith in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, I give you this sincere invitation. Come and examine the scriptures with us. Come and take advantage of the resources that God provides through the local church. If you do not have a Bible of your own, let us know. We will give you one as a gift, no cost to you. If you are interested, continue to come and join us for these weekly gatherings. Of course, the Sunday service, but also our Wednesday night Bible study, which is also located here, and we will also have opportunities online. And if you are interested in walking through a book of the Bible with one or two other people, let us know. Fill out that request on the connection cards that we talked about earlier. Either myself or one of the elders, we will respond back to you because we do want to examine the scriptures with you. So let us know. For the Christians present or viewing online, I give these three encouragements to you. Prepare pray, and persevere. Are you being prepared through the daily consumption of God's word? Are you one who has been saved, examining the scriptures with noble eagerness? You know, it's a shame when I read studies that say that over a quarter of churchgoers only read their Bible during the weekly service. It's a shame. And if that is your cadence, I encourage you, remember the gift that God has given you. Remember that because of what he has done, we have access to his constant help. We have access to this daily bread that he has provided. For our good. Do you pray? Do you pray that the Spirit will provide noble hearts in your neighborhoods, in your schools, in your workplaces? Are you praying that you would find such eagerness as what we read today among your family, your friendships, Make that a regular custom in your prayer time to pray for those opportunities within those that you know, your loved ones, your friends, your neighbors. And Christian, will you persevere? Will you persevere to proclaim Christ even after previous attempts have met harsh rejection? Will you keep answering the call and commission that he has given us even when you're going through seasons of difficulty? You can trust in the same God who saved you from sin, for he will be present with you as you go out and tell others that you know, others that you come across, about his word. May he provide that opportunity to share. May he provide it to share among those you know. May he provide it to share among those who you are new to. And may you take on that opportunity to share about the one who fulfills all of scripture, about the one who God has provided to bring about salvation of the world, about the righteous king, Jesus the Christ, God with us. Let us pray. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day and for just this encouragement that can be found in your word. We thank you as we look in through this series in Acts, Lord, for these examples of both the the triumphs but also the difficulties of the early church. Let it be an encouragement for us as we have seasons of triumph but also seasons of difficulty that even within that, that you are present and you are able to help us answer the call you have given us, to enable us to proclaim Christ to those that we interact with. And we do pray, Lord, that you, by your grace, would enable noble hearts who are eager to hear your word. Prepare us, Lord, for those conversations and opportunities. We thank you, Lord, for just this opportunity to gather together to praise your name with those who know you or who are seeking to know you. Father, we thank you for this time. In Jesus' name, amen.